0: The following podcast is intended for mature audiences and may contain strong language, adult themes, and frank sexual content. This is the Heart of Jack's podcast. Allowing the unconventional into your brain space. Monogamy doesn't necessarily mean what you think it does. And Dan goes to the jacks. I'm Paul Rosenberg, and this is Episode 6 of the Heart of Jacks Podcast, brought to you by me and sponsored by the Seattle Erotic Art Festival, presenting SEAF 2020, the Pandemic Edition. Get your tickets at seattleerotic.org. This show is also made possible by people like you, patrons through Patreon. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com slash Jacks. Hey, It's Paul. Listen, there's a lot in this episode, but before we start, I want to talk a little bit about polyamory, because this is my fifth interview, and three of the five folks I've talked to identify as poly. That's almost 60%. I'm not an expert on polyamory, but if you've listened to all of these podcasts, you're experiencing normalization right along with me, and I think that's cool. Something I've noticed for a long time is that, for many people, when somebody talks positively about something that most folks aren't necessarily into, there's this reflexive tendency for folks to go first to a judgment space, to view the unconventional thing as right or wrong, good or bad, godly or sinful, etc., just by dint of it not fitting into a familiar scene in one's mind. I know that's not you personally, of course. You're incredibly open-minded. I'm personally into things that are different from the norm, and unless you are part of my particular subculture, unless you consider yourself as part of the Jack's phenomenon or identify as a masturbator or a baiter, my particular tastes may seem kinky or even wrong to you somehow, not simply different and human and interesting. When I travel abroad, I have an experience of being out of my element, being in a place where people speak a different language, have different routines, attitudes customs, places where life is different, sometimes radically different, in moment-by-moment ways, even though it may be fundamentally familiar in other ways. There's a process I go through in which I'm comparing and evaluating all these differences against my own way of being in the world. All the ways that growing up in a particular place and time and manner have shaped who I am, but I don't know how not to do that, to notice those differences. What I do know how to do is to just relax and let the differences wash over me, to allow myself to enjoy the difference of being somewhere else. And I can do that as long as I feel fundamentally safe, right? Listening to Dan speak warmly and frankly about his polycule feels a little like visiting a foreign but familiar land. Because while I have embraced my capacity for loving more than one person, and I don't strictly classify the different flavors of love I experience into okay and not okay, I know that I've settled quite comfortably into a family structure that seems to fit me really well, something close to what Dan Savage calls monogamish. The Urban Dictionary has a few definitions of monogamish, and none of them really fit me precisely, so I'll let you look it up yourself. But I can put it this way. The etymology of the word monogamy is the Greek monogamos, one marriage, and that is the original definition. By that definition of the word I am literally monogamous, in that I have one spouse, and together we comprise one family, a core household of, in this case, two men, who share our lives, our hearts, our bills, our joys and sorrows, and a dog. We're married, just to each other, and we enjoy thousands of automatic rights and responsibilities that go along with that. We're not sexually exclusive, so we're non-monogamous in that sense of the word, and we're both completely free to have sex with others And we trust each other to do so ethically, that is, in a way that does no harm, first to ourselves, but to anyone involved, and hopefully does a lot of good for everyone involved. Over the life of our almost 30 years together, we've also acknowledged that we experience love with others, even what you might call romantic love, for us, a critical qualifier... The thing about being monogamish that works is the sense that loving others doesn't subtract from our love for each other. It doesn't diminish our commitment to family, to better or worse, to from death to us part. Queer people like me and today's guest have to figure out what works for us as adults in relationship and family and community, and not all of us are successful. We have long adapted to life without realistic working role models of family, so we've been figuring it out much like all of us have to figure out what works and what doesn't. Just because a person is straight doesn't mean that they're going to be happy or successful simply duplicating the straight family model that their straight parents provided for them as kids. We all need what we need and want what we want. And just because you're heterosexual or homosexual or asexual or pansexual or solosexual doesn't spare us each from having to struggle with fitting all the puzzle pieces together. All of this is to say, it is a good thing to share and really hear each other's stories, even if they're only vaguely conceivable to us. I do not consider myself polyamorous, even though I acknowledge that I literally love many. I am also, in at least the original sense of the word, monogamous, even though I have sex with lots of people. So, I'm glad you're here, allowing some unconventional voices and ideas into your brain space, whether their passions align with yours or whether the only similarity is that they have passions at all. Just ahead, Dan goes to the Jacks. This episode of the Heart of Jacks podcast is sponsored by the Seattle Erotic Art Festival, celebrating and cultivating sexuality through the arts. The Seattle Erotic Art Festival, also known as SEAF, supports the creation and purchase of erotic art while providing space for community and conversations around sexuality. This year, they are proud to host Seaf 2020, the pandemic edition, where their large annual festival has been divided into three CEEFsums. Each CEEFsum is different and includes everything you love and expect from Seaf. All the visual art will be shown at Gallery Erato in Seattle's Pioneer Square Arts District. Gallery Erato is following the King County Health Department's COVID-19 guidelines for museums so that you can browse the art and festival stores safely. All of the performances, art tours, talks, and literary readings will be held virtually on the Zoom platform. For tickets and more information about SEAF 2020, the pandemic edition, visit seattleerotic.org. That's seattleerotic.org. My guest is Dan, a nearly 46-year-old tattooed, pierced, polyamorous, cis, white, gay, Scorpio, who was born in Seattle and never left the area. He's worked at a pet store, a genetics lab, a tattoo shop, an ice cream parlor, a tech giant, a music shop, a bakery as a dog sitter, and in multiple theaters doing prop and costume work. But these days, he's the production assistant for Gayish Podcast, known as Fucking Dan. He can be found jerking off on Cam on Bait World and Dudes Nude as Dirty Scout, and at Rain City Jacks, of course. And more info about Gayish can be found at GayishPodcast.com. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's good to have you. So, you uh, are a member of Rain City Jacks. I am, Yeah. Do you remember how you first heard about the Jacks? Uh, I did.
1: I knew about, uh, jerk clubs. Um, although, uh, not specifically rain city Jacks. And, uh, I think I, I, had bought into the myth that they were a reaction to, uh, AIDS, the AIDS epidemic and that everyone switched to this, you know, safer alternative. Um, obviously I've learned since then that that's not exactly the truth. um, uh and so I was I was just, I had been monogamous for fifteen years. It's not really my natural state, but um it was it was where I was and uh I needed to sort of reconnect with my sexuality in a different way and my body and uh started doing a little research into options and uh and wanted to be as safe as possible. Um wasn't on prep yet. Prep didn't exist when I got into that relationship coming out. I was like it was kind of a brave new world. Um, and so uh Rain City Jack seemed like a really good option for me to to be safe, to connect with men uh and and kind of start to dip my toe back into the the waters.
0: So do you have any recollection of where you heard about jackoff clubs before Rain City? Gosh. I know memory, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like
1: I can't remember if it was like a New York one or an l a one or a San Francisco one that was kind of like. It felt like Notorious, like I like that the something Jacks was like I knew that name and
0: I don't remember where I first heard of it. Well, those three cities all have notorious jackoff clubs, or had. <laughs> right. yeah, I didn't had. know it down well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what drew you to de- the jackoff club in the first place? What was the the appeal other than just trying to re explore your sexuality? Um, I think I I think the that and the the safety of it
1: um and really it was kind of scary to 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 go from 15 years of monogamy like I was in my 20s when I went into that relationship and suddenly I was in my 40s my body was very different um the world was very different and um I didn't really know where to begin and uh rain city jacks seemed like a a safe space uh Everything, you know, I, I probably read the website over and over and over like as I was trying to get up my my courage to, to do it and um, it, it really you've created a very safe space where consent is very key um, and that it felt like I could go and do as little or as much as I felt comfortable without any pressure um, and without without alcohol or drugs around and with with a very clear boundary that's that I don't have to work to enforce that other you know is enforced by everyone there um of you know no no sucking, no fucking no you know no mouth below the hips, all that
0: um and that all really appealed to me and seemed like the right first step. well I hear that safety was important to you, uh, I know that's true for a lot of the guys who show up at the beginning um but most guys when they show up are also kind of nervous um. Did yeah. you have oh, any- yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, very. Uh, yeah, I think I was terrified I was going to see a friend, terrified someone I knew was going to see me there. And, you know, it was I was separated, but not divorced. So, like, th- there was a lot going on that uh, that could have been complicated. And um, again, the website helped alleviate those worries of like, you know, we don't talk about jerk club. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh uh, and and that has been my experience. But that that first time, I think I pulled into the parking lot, sat in my car for a little while, watched who was going in, tried to like suss it out, scope it out. Finally, got the courage to go in and and um, ask for the paperwork, and then you know fill it out and wait wait for the the training session. So, yeah. did you ever run into somebody you knew? Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, several times and didn't always know how to handle it. Uh There was a, a couple that are friends of mine that um they popped up and started coming and we were both in the same space. And I think the first time I saw them, I just kind of stayed on the other side of the room and like we kind of gave each other space. And then I think the next time there was like eye contact and a little nod, like this is all okay. Um, and since then, we've like run into each other at parties. We've talked about it. We've ended up making plans to go to the nude beach together. Um, and and it it was all very normal. Um, I I've also seen a straight guy that I know uh, there, and I just I gave him all the space in the world. He was he was uh, doing the the minimum required. He was down to his underwear, but but that was it. Uh, I don't think he ever participated beyond that. Um, so I wanted to make sure he felt safe, and felt to me the right thing to do to make him feel safe and comfortable was to to give him space and not have him feel confronted. Thinking back to to my fear of running into someone I know and what would that mean, and what if they said something
0: that that really actually touches me just to hear about your care of the community. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. and and I got to tell you, I admire the straight guys who show up and you know check it out and wear their underwear, do the minimum, uh, participation. And I just, I so appreciate their willingness to try something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's uh, I'm,
1: I'm very not straight. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around a, a straight man, but I, I do get that. Like you can identify as straight and, and still be a little bit further down the Kinsey scale and enjoy, enjoy being around other men and that bonding and, 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 you know, some of it probably harkens back to a lot of us jerked off with other boys as some of our first exploration of, of our bodies and, and what's this thing and why is it hard and what's this weird stuff that comes out of it. Um, and so there's probably sort of a a nostalgic quality for some men, yeah, even straight men, of, of just like being in a space where you're jerking off with other guys again, like when you were a kid.
0: The Heart of Jacks podcast was created to support work on my new book, The Heart of Jacks, the History and Culture of Jackoff Clubs, which, as the title implies, recounts the history of the Jackoff Club phenomenon, revealing its true origins and telling, in their own words, the stories of the men who built it into a community long before the term safe sex was part of the common vernacular. You can support my work on this book, pulling together hundreds of bits of fading ephemera and dozens of hours of interviews and focus groups with the founders, managers, volunteers, and members of the Jacks in a growing list of cities, including New York, San Francisco, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Orlando, Chicago, Cleveland, Toronto, London, Paris, Munich, Melbourne, and more. For your support, you will receive weekly updates on my progress, because hello, accountability, as well as early access to this podcast, which will be forever ad-free to my Patreon supporters. Join me as a patron and become part of this one-of-a-kind history at patreon.com slash theheartofjax. That's patreon.com slash theheartofjax, and help power this project to completion. One more time, go to patreon.com slash theheartofjacks and thank you for supporting this podcast. So I want to ask this since you have run into friends. I I have another friend who he specifically draws a line between any sexual contact between anyone he is a friend with. And I find that's not always the case with the members. Sometimes people do find... Uh, there's a sexual connection with a friend, and it still remains just a friendship, but there's also a sexual connection. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, yeah. Actually,
1: the last time I went, um, a a friend who I had had sex with before out, out, outside of Rain City uh, was, I think he'd listened to the gayish episode about Rain City Jacks and he got curious. And so he talked to a guy that he was kind of having, hanging out with a lot who turned out to be an ex-boyfriend of mine. Um, and they invited me. They're like, hey, we're going to go. You should come along with. And I'm like, great. And then while I was at the ATM getting some money, ran into another friend who I've had sex with before outside of Rain City Jackson. It was his first time too. So uh, he and I went in together. Then we ran into the other two that I was meeting there. And it was it was really lovely to to like bond with all these friends. And to reconnect with this ex-boyfriend that I had some hangups about how things ended and to just be naked together and, and sexual together. And yeah, it's a, it's a very unique way of bonding with friends. Um, I, I don't have a lot of boundaries. Like it sounds like a friend of yours does. (laughs) Um, uh, if, if there's mutual attraction with a friend, like I'm all for it, uh, and exploring that. But, uh, yeah, the jerkoff club is definitely a unique space for that. It's you can be naked together on a nude beach, you can be naked and have sex at a sex club or or you know. But there's something about a jerk off club that's just kind of a unique space. There's no drugs, there's no alcohol. Everyone's really present,
0: and I love that about it. What else do you find unique about the Jacks? Uh, what what's hard to find uh, somewhere else? Oh wow, um, I'm
1: thinking mentioned the the consent thing, which is really it's, I,
0: I don't experience
1: consent that is as explicit or as well done <laughs> anywhere else, I don't think. Um, and yet it's also, it's not overbearing, it's subtle. Um, and, you know, it's says, and, and during the training, uh, they, it's one of the things they sort of teach you is like, you know, asking for consent can be as simple as putting your hand out to see if, the guy is okay, you know, he'll, he'll put his dick in your hand if he wants to, you to jerk him off or, you know, it can be, and saying no can be as simple as, you know, as a, a head motion um, or even wearing wristbands, um, which is great. That kind of creates a different environment. It's warm, it's comfy. Like you've created this like cocoon of just the perfect space to, to just relax and to not. I find myself not worrying about my body um, because there's such diversity of of body shapes and ages and dick sizes. I'm not a big guy. I have like a five and three quarter inch dick that's kind of on the the thin end. Um, Always have had anxiety about that. Uh, I I used to, before I started going to Rain City Jacks, I used to come really easily and jerking off with other people and having other people jerk my dick helped me gain control for the first time in over 40 years, which is insane.
0: Well, that's really
1: interesting. What what do you think about it actually helped you to slow down? I think having to learn to tell someone when to stop, like and and it's just it, I I found the the common thing seemed to be you just put your, you know, grab the other person's not hard, but just like grip the other person's forearm that they're using to jerk your dick and that's that seems to be a well understood like okay time to stop and it's it's so it's so normal in that space to take breaks and to to like i need a break or i need some water or i need you know i'm i'm getting too close and i don't want to come yet Th- those sort of communications are normal and don't feel like rejection uh where they would be in like a one if you're like brought someone home from a bar and you're having sex and suddenly you're like no stop i need 15 minutes like it can easily you might get in your head or that you're feeling rejected. Um, and there isn't someone else to go play with while that person's having their break. I think that allowed me to pay more attention to my body and, uh, know when to catch before it was too late to say stop and to feel okay saying stop and, and not feel pressured to like do what the other person wants.
0: That's great. I mean, just Do you think you learned a measure of agency just from the environment of communication?
1: Uh, Could you tell me more
0: about What I mean is, um, do you think that the experience of being in a place where the norm is you let people know you're about to come? You say, I want to take a break um, where all those things are okay, Those like baseline communications are okay, um, That that actually expanded into the rest of your life you know, that, that you were able to more easily talk about sex to other people to I, talk about I, your experience in the moment? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I d- it's definitely a great practice space for all of that. I am by nature, very submissive. And, uh, I, one of my biggest issues my whole life has been asking for what I want and being good at communication. It was one of the reasons that that 15 year relationship, uh, didn't continue Cause I had a really hard time asking for what I wanted especially in a sexual way I like what I wanted sexually. And so Rain City was this like great practice space where every couple weeks I could go and and you know practice saying no thank you to people without it having a lot of weight to it. Like literally they're like okay let me go over to that other guy that I find attractive and whose dick I want to touch. Yeah, it's such a safe practice space for so many things. Uh it's always been an issue for me until more recently, the, the size of my dick, and that I kind of worried that no one would want to play with my dick because it's not big. And, you know, everyone always sort of gravitates toward big dicks, I thought. And um, Rain City Jacks, like the number of really hot guys, some of them with huge dicks that wanted to play with my dick, or wanted to make out with me, it, it was a really uh, a confidence booster. And realizing that like, not everyone's a size queen, and <laughs> some people like smaller dicks, and there's lots of virtues of that too, so that...
0: There's there's also a lot uh, to attract us that's not a dick, that has nothing to do with a person's dick.
1: Absolutely, yeah,
0: yeah. And that, yeah, I, I found
1: myself opening up to different types of people, um, sort of testing where my boundaries were in, in attraction and who I wanted to, to interact with at the Jackson, who I wanted to play sexually with. It definitely... There's no worry that that person wants a second date or, you know, you can you can have an interaction that lasts a minute or hours there with someone. And I've done both. There's so little pressure and so little, so little on the
0: line that uh, you can just kind of be in the moment. Lower stakes. Yeah, Absolutely. So I know you've uh, been to Countdown, and we've never talked about Countdown on this podcast, but you talked about it on uh, the the extra episode for Gayish. Yeah, yeah, I loved Countdown. I'll bet. I'll bet. So how did that <laughs> how did that work? For, I love Countdown. Um, how did that work out for you? Um, w- was that like early in your process of of, of getting more control over your body, uh, more control over your own agency?
1: Yeah, I think it was. It was about midway, sort of in that. In that spectrum of how much control I had, and and that, all that, um, having a specific finish line uh, when now it's time to come gave me gave me a nice goal, and ended up playing with I think two guys most of the night, uh, the three of us, and something about. Three people instead of two also allows you to, it makes it easier to kind of take moments because um, there's always someone stick to play with for everybody, <laughs> even if one of them is, is taking a break. And yeah, that, that buildup and that buildup and the voice coming on the speaker is telling you how much longer it is. And, and it, uh, it, was, it was a really good practice space for what I was trying to gain. Um, it was insanely hot. And I ended up coming two times like that countdown because like when the next round came around, I was ready again, which is also you know i'm I'm usually a like blow and go kind of guy, but it was just all too hot, and
0: that just i- I wanted more i I should probably explain for the listeners that uh countdown was oh, a- countdown <laughs> yeah yeah it's a thing well i I started it right. But Countdown is a is a theme, uh, which is basically a game that gets played at a jack-off party. And it's just that there is a voiceover that gives a countdown to come time. So we encourage people to edge and come when they're told. And try not to uh, have an orgasm between come times. And they're about 45 minutes apart, so there's plenty of time to have fun and build up and edge and connect with people. And just enjoy that increasing uh, pleasure and control. And then there's this come time where multiple guys will orgasm at the same time. Yeah, it's it's like the whole room is coming
1: simultaneously, pretty much. It's like one orgasm after another for this very short window. And then another, I'm not going to call it a lull because it's equally hot, like just another period of edging, 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 and then another spike in people. It's, yeah, it's really hot. I love that.
0: Yeah, you know, there's there's a not to talk too much about the countdown, but uh, there's this (laughs) moment uh, frequently where there'll be a come time and then there's a three minute break before the next announcement says there are 45 minutes to the next come time. And often when that 45 minutes after come time happens, I hear this spate of laughter just run through the room Where people just like, oh my god, we're gonna do this again. And (laughs) that's awesome.
1: So did you was countdown your idea? That's something that you came up with for Rain City Uh, or Yeah, it was
0: it was actually uh one of my volunteers long time ago, um, gave me these two books of sex games that you can play with your partner. And he just thought, Hey, there's some cool ideas in here. And I read through the book and a lot of them were really silly. Um, it was, it was a very heteronormative book, but still great, great ideas. And one yeah. of them was to set a timer and to not allow yourself to orgasm until the timer went off. And that's from that, awesome. I thought, Hmm, I wonder if I could, you know, make a thing about out of this. And it became very, very popular. Yeah,
1: it works. That's for sure. <laughs> and because there's multiple through the night, there's like, there's no pressure to necessarily come at the first the first when the first countdown ends you can wait till later and and it's certainly acceptable to come in between but it's sort of more fun to try and align it with everyone else
0: so i think i know the answer to this um because you enjoy camming and uh and you do enjoy the jacks um do you do you enjoy other sex play oh yeah yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah uh yeah i'm dating i it's hard to get a count at any given time of how many people i have relationships with um to a daddy, another boyfriend, a big bro a coach etc cetera, etc, cetera, um, all of whom I have varying sexual relationships with, and everyone is very unique and the sex we have is very different um, some of them are strictly atop with me some of them are more versatile with me yeah
0: it's uh yeah I love it all I love I love uh, the full spectrum. <laughs> So I, because you are regularly, you do come to the Jacks. It yeah. sounds like you're perfectly satisfied to not do anything more than what's in the room. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When I'm like, when I'm in that space, that's what I'm, that's what I'm there for. Um, I'm not, sometimes it's hot to, if you're connecting with someone to talk about like the things that you would do to each other outside of that room to kind of get each other going even more or, or, you know, even tentative plans for things later, um, which I've done. Uh, but that space is sort of sacred, and, and those are the rules, and that's what I'm there for. And I think the rules create a hot tension, a hot sexual tension that you can't, there's things you can't do, and, you you know, there's someone you connect with who's so hot, and that urge to drop to your knees and blow them is so strong, or that urge to, like, bend over and get fucked. It can be really strong, and also you can sort of channel that, intensity into making out or dirty talk with them quietly, respectfully in the space, Uh, (laughs) or, or, you know, the jerking off. And uh, I never feel like I'm wanting more than what's in that space. Have you experienced anything like that outside
0: of the jacks? You know, um, like a jack-off party?
1: Uh, I'm trying to think. I think that...
0: You know, like yeah. if you if you just want to have a jack off party, do you have to go to the Jacks to experience that or have you done that somewhere else?
1: Oh, yeah. No, uh, uh, friends of mine have talked about it. We haven't gotten our shit together to actually do it, but um, there's been talk of like, why don't we have a, a jerk off party, you know, at one of our homes? And there's logistics to deal with of not getting come everywhere, <laughs> but uh, that uh, is maybe easier to handle when you've been doing it for. Uh, well over a decade, uh, um, so that might be what's kind of keeping us from from finally getting there. But I think the, the idea of doing it with friends too, and and friends of friends, that there's some excitement to that too. To some of the the people that I've been talking about it with, we've never been sexual together. We've like been at Folsom and Dory Alley together, but not been sexual at all or even kissed. But to be Oh, we have cam together, so I guess there's that. But um, yeah, there's there's sort of a, a, an excitement of of you know seeing friends naked, and will you connect with them? Or
0: <laughs> what do you think is the most erotic thing about the jacks for you? Or Can you remember a specifically erotic moment that you experienced there?
1: Yeah, um, one of the hottest times I had there uh, was uh, my big bro, one of the people I have a relationship with. He asked if I wanted to go with him. Uh, He had gone long before I started going and then hadn't gone uh, since I started. And so this would be the first time that he and I went. Uh, My daddy was having a party that night. And uh, so there was a little bit of a conflict there. Uh, but Daddy's like, as, as long as you leave by this time and have at least five loads shot all over you and you're not to wash them off, then you come to the party, I'll be okay with you coming to the party late. So being the overachiever that I am, uh, <laughs> and and it, Big Bro is a big help in this, he he sort of helped orchestrate getting people to come on me over and over and over until I had the, count, the final count was 11 and a half loads. The half came from like someone shot him themselves and then rubbed it on me, and so we decided we should (laughs) count that as a half. But that was that like created almost like countdown. It was like I had a very specific challenge, um, this this like goal, and uh, both Big Row and I respond well to that sort of that sort of like a sexual challenge, Um, and so that made that night particularly hot. I think being come on arguably is the most extreme thing allowed at, at Rain City jacks maybe it's the like yeah yeah cuz there's no penetration there's you know but it, it's still someone's load is on you that's that's intimate and hot and filthy in its own way and 11 and a half of them was a really great way to to head out uh even though I had to leave
0: a little earlier than I would have you know it's interesting um, i hadn't thought about this before but uh... The, I, I've seen a lot of guys arrange this where uh, a lot of people will come on them. And it, the the only time it actually works where they can get other people to do it is if a buddy recruits the other people. If they yeah. ask them themselves, they may get one or two or three other people. I mean, it, it'll still happen. But yeah. if you want to get 11 and a half, um, <laughs> it, it really helps if somebody's recruiting people. Um, yeah, yeah I, I actually yeah, got Yeah, cuz
1: there was people that were much more interested in Big Bro, but like ultimately and ultimately we're jerking off with him, but like at, when the moment
0: came, he's like <laughs> points him at me and like come on <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah. So um if if you could uh change the experience, if you could customize it to your your personal taste, is there anything you would change about the jacks? Oh wow. Wow. That's a great question. Um I
1: interestingly, I think early on, I would have said, uh, like having porn running. And then I think one of the last times I went, there was porn on and I made a choice to sit with my back to it, because I know myself, if there's a screen, I'm going to stare at it. And I wanted my focus to be the people in the room. And that worked out well, because I ended up spending, I think, hours jerking off uh, after after making eye contact and the you know, subsequent, like, clearly there's interest. And he came over. Uh, Someone I've had a crush on on Instagram for maybe years um, was there. And I like he was into me too. And we spent the whole time jerking off together. And it was really hot. And like, oh, my God. And had I been staring at that porn, it never would have happened. So who inspires you? Uh, Yeah, I've thought a lot about this. And I don't follow news much. I don't, I realized that the, the people that inspire me are the people closest to me, and the, my, my polycule is the term I tend to use for, for the men I have relationships with, and, like, my daddy is the hardest working person I know. Uh, it's not uncommon for him to be working three jobs, sometimes on the same day. He, his work ethic is insane. Um, my other boyfriend is raising his daughter with his other boyfriend and his ex-spouse, my coach is, like, getting his PhD, like, just being surrounded with all these people who are so hardworking and constantly learning and just inspiring me to be the best person I can be and and being this sort of subby boy that I am. There's a natural mentorship that happens with all of them, even with Big Bro's pup, who I call sensei sometimes because he's, he, even he as a pup, like, likes to, to be a teacher to me and a mentor to me uh, and, and making them proud is one of the things that drives me to work harder and to to learn something every day and and to try to be the best the best boy that I can be as well as just the best man I can be
0: so what are you into these days that you'd like to recommend to listeners sure
1: uh this is very seattle centric uh, and I apologize I'm uh, knowing how podcasts work and you being based in the seattle area I imagine a lot of your listeners are in seattle so hopefully this will resonate with some people oh it's fine <laughs> uh, I, this summer I spent a lot of time at a nude beach, uh, up North and, uh, I had picked up this book, Gay Seattle Stories of Exile and Belonging, uh, by Gary L. Atkins, um, prior to the summer and hadn't ever opened it. And I thought, you know, I need something to keep me busy for those days where I'm, you know, it's just me on the beach, um, not interacting with anybody. And it's amazing. It starts in like the 1890s and talks about like uses court records mostly to try to suss out what was happening in terms of men having sex with men in Seattle in the pioneer days. And then it goes through about the 1990s. So it covers an insane amount of the city's history. And I learned so much about where the gay, the center of gay Seattle was and how it shifted and why it shifted from one neighborhood to another. And arguably, we're in a, a, a period right now where it might be shifting again due to various factors. And um, it, it was the most fun of it probably was as i'm reading i ended up like dog-earing page after page when it, when it would be like oh and this bar or this this like seattle counseling services which is an lgbt specific Uh, mental health organization, like when it talked about this organization came into being, and this organization started here, and this is why, and just learning so much about the history of the town that I was born in, and I've always lived in, and the the gay community that I'm a part of, but like, we don't, we don't have the same sort of sense of the oral history that, that maybe other communities tend to. Oh, God, any kind of history. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I was really impressed by how how much they I mean this is a <laughs> it's a thick book. Holy. So he yeah. And and having lived here, I'm like, oh we didn't talk about this, or he didn't talk about this, or he didn't, you know, there's so much more this could be at least double the size. Um and yet it was very satisfying and, and definitely kept me busy at the beach when I wasn't cruising the bushes. So <laughs> a rich distraction. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dan, it has been great talking with you today. Likewise, likewise. Thanks so much for having me on. This has been really fun, and I think I've had some epiphanies about why I love the Jack
0: so much. Cool. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you. I want to thank Dan for being my guest. I had so much fun talking to him. As he mentioned, he's one of the guys creating the Gayish Podcast. That show is on the brink of dropping its 200th episode, and I kind of love it. It is also on Patreon, and I will include a link to their page in the show notes. Or you can just search for Gayish podcast. that's G-A-Y-I-S-H, wherever you get your podcasts. As always, I love hearing your feedback about the show. You can reach me a couple of ways. Email podcast at theheartofjax.com or call 206-580-3120. The Heart of Jacks podcast, written and produced by me and sponsored by the Seattle Erotic Art Festival, presenting SEAF 2020, the pandemic edition. Tickets to SEAFsum number three, their final festival program of the year, are on sale right now. Get yours at seattleerotic.org. This show is also made possible by people like you, patrons through Patreon. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com slash Jacks. The music is Carouselophane by Jake Bradford Sharp. Podcast distribution by Simplecast at Simplecast.com. Until next time, that is the Heart of Jack's podcast. I'm Paul Rosenberg.